0: So today we'll be speaking with kuha kwan Uh, kuha is a 2022 graduate of the msds program here at usf and he has a bachelor's in mechanical engineering from usc Uh, kuha recently went through the job search process Uh, he just began his first role as a data scientist at lyft and is here to share any experiences and insights he has for those of you out there who might be currently looking or are about to start looking for a new role in the data science field. All right. Well, hey, it's nice, nice to see you again. Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah. Um. Thanks for inviting. I'm pretty excited to be here. So, thank you.
0: Yeah. So I, um, you mean you're a, a recent graduate of the MSDS program here at USF? So, of course, I'm kind of curious. You graduated this year, right? Er, earlier this year in 2022.
1: Yes, correct. Um, I graduated about. Um, early July, so it's been five plus months by now.
0: Okay. So um, so then like the memory's still fresh in your mind. Like I'm just kind of curious what was your like guess favorite part of the program?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, my favorite part was um, actually um, doing a practicum because um, because I get to really apply what I learned for the last three, four, one year, um, in the program and apply it to the real world problems and really show it to other people that I know um, how the data science work, but also have an impact on real organization. And yeah, that was a that was a great feeling. And also working closely with uh, professors and also peers was um, really fun mm-hmm. aspect of it because I also had uh, work uh, in the same practicum with another. Uh, Student from the program, right? So we've been uh, we collaborated not just us two, but also professor uh, Mentor from USF. So that was that was fun working together on the same project
0: Right and your practicum was with the Metro mile, right?
1: Correct. Uh, So yes, I was a data scientist intern at Metro mile and um, To give a short background. It's a it's a tech driven insurance company that utilizes data to accurately price Their Mm -hmm. insurance and also to predict any of the fault fraud that could happen right because that's a big issue in the industry realm
0: right Uh, okay so i guess going going back when you were you know thinking about going to grad school for data science Mm -hmm. um was the practicum you know the the deciding factor for you for deciding to come here to usf
1: not only it's it wasn't only decide it wasn't the only factor that i considered um I knew I had to go to some sort of uh, master's program because I wanted uh, at least a year of intense education to be able to handle real-world like data science mm-hmm. problems, and um, the duration um, was one factor that I chose USF. Okay, um, it was pretty intense one year, while other programs tend to be one and a half or two, and less less. It was more spread out. And um, another factor, another important factor for me was that it was on site, uh, while a lot of other programs are in, um, not in person, right. it's online, mm-hmm. and I know myself, and I I focus much more, uh, much better, and, and more engaged, and I try harder when I'm with real people, um, and that was really important for me personally. Got it. And lastly, I looked at the um, program faculty and also the curriculum. And I back then I had limited knowledge of what data scientists really meant, but it seemed to cover all the f- area that I needed to learn and wanted to learn. So there, it wasn't just one factor, it was like multiple factors that contributed to choosing um, USF. Right, okay,
0: cool. Okay, so since you, you graduated, um, I think in July, probably, right, of of this year. And then you recently started your first position since graduating as a data scientist at, at Lyft, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your role there?
1: Yeah. So I'll give you a little background of how Lyft is organized. Um, at Lyft, there's uh, two buckets that data scientists fall into. Um, we call, like, one, one group call is called decision data scientists, another group is called algorithm data scientist and I am a decision data scientist um, which means I help organization make decisions based on data and that decision is not just technical decisions that lifts make but also uh, business decisions. It really depends on um, the time and project that you're working on and um, one interesting thing is um, I'm working in a department where not many people are too familiar with which is um, TBS or micromobility so lyft has um pretty big micromobility um um presence in north america and also in europe um lyft owns a bunch of um various um bike sharing and Mm -hmm. also scooter sharing um, services and so my role is to um my role is kind of focus on that realm um to provide better service and more reliable service for users um who's who's um um, for micro mobility users, basically. Okay, cool. So um
0: I know you kind of just started there, but like can you look back to some of the classes that you took during the program and like which ones do you think have been most useful for you in this role?
1: I mean, um, it's hard to hard to say because like it's it's almost all the classes that had really like impact, like had a pretty big impact on like my daily work that I'm doing right now. For example, um, um, I forgot the, the class name, but uh, in the during the um, boot camp, like I had to take a class where I learned all about how to present a data, um, like designing a different plots. Um, back then, it would it seemed pretty. Um, I would say, how to say it? I don't want to say it's easy, but un, like less less um, less relevant because I'm just learning about like putting on different colors and I'm um, learning about like how to f- how to change the font size. but I just realize um, even that like it's very very useful when I'm actually working in Lyft because I have to create so many plots a day and doing it efficiently and also at a speed and also thinking about different audience and I realize quickly realize like different audience want uh, different numbers and different like, way to um to look at those numbers so even that was very helpful that class for me and um statistics obviously i use statistics every day to make decisions and to see something significant or not um and experimentation was a big one because I, I i i run different experimentation on different um users and also on um on different hardwares and and I have to make um, conclusions out of those experimentations. And not only conclusions, but I have to recommend how to design those experimentations. Okay. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say uh, this class was um, helped me a lot. And so it's basically almost all the classes that really helped me in the process.
0: Yeah, and I think the first one you were talking about... Um... Is EDA. I think I think, oh, we, yeah. I think we call it EDA now. Um, and yeah, it used to be something else. And um, yeah, it's kind of funny you describe it as like, sure, when you take it, you're like, oh, this is just, you know, creating plots. I know how to do this. This is so easy. Mm-hmm. And then, right, when you actually get to do it, there's a side of the job of a data scientist that you don't think about ahead of time, which is you have all of these different audiences who you have to somehow display or visualize your... The, you know, whatever story you're trying to, to tell in a way that they'll be able to understand. And, like, I guess that's where maybe maybe some of that EDA stuff becomes important.
1: Yeah. I mean, for example, like, even if you put, like, 100 hours on certain work and make great analysis, uh, if you have a really bad plot or really bad of showing your data, no one really gets it, first of all, yeah. and no one really appreciate it, and also... Um people cannot make any decisions out of it, so I think yeah, that even eda a is very very crucial part um as a data uh, when you work as a data scientist, yeah, oh,
0: no, definitely it was always one of my favorite parts of the job, actually, it's more so than the uh machine learning piece at least for me oh, interesting, yeah so um so I definitely wanted to dig in a little bit into your your search, you know your job search uh, it's a big part of. Um, you know, every student who's going through this program, that's their end goal. You know, and this tends to be a terminal master's degree. And what the students want to do is is get a job in industry um, right after. And they're all asking, you know, I was like, how long is it going to take me after I graduate to find <laughs> that job? How many interviews am I going to end up doing? How many places do I have to apply to? So do you have some kind of summary, some idea of like how many actual applications did you fill out and then out of all of those like like what was the funnel like for you as far as you applied to this many you heard back from this many (laughs) you interviewed at this many and then you got this many offers
1: yeah that's a good question um i was really good at tracking it in the beginning but after a while i lost count um because like literally I, i in the like like before graduation, they like when you f- really focus hundred percent on like interviewing and applying for a job. I applied like about five companies a day. Oh okay. Um, yeah. And it really adds up. But I would say I, if I had to guess, I would, I would probably applied to about two hundred fifty or more. Wow. Um, and I know people who've done way more than me. I know okay. people who've done le- way less. Um, but. Um, and after applying for 250 companies, I think I heard back from about 15, um, companies. Um, to, Is, yeah. d- does
0: that include the ones who sent you like some auto rejection? Oh, no,
1: no, no. Auto, oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not counting rejection. I'm only counting the, uh, like, uh, uh, their interests. They want to do a first round of interview with me. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm curious though, like. Out of the 250 or so, mm-hmm. how many did you just never never hear from? Oh, probably a, a big percentage. Yeah, probably. I would,
1: I would say more than half. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's weird because like they, they reject you like two months later. Yeah, I, I'm still getting some of the rejection letters. Oh. So, <laughs> right. so it's yeah. I don't know how the system's built, but yeah, I never okay. expect to get a rejection. That, like if they don't respond, I'm assuming rejection. Yeah. So. Sure.
0: Okay. Okay. So uh, 15. 15 got back to you f- with some interest in, uh, at least you did some, you know, first-round interviews from there?
1: Yes. Um, and initially, I I tried to do all the interviews that came in. But soon I realized I don't have uh, time with it because I'm doing practicum plus all the coursework still. Oh, right. And yeah. also, the interview, I realized it just, it's very, it takes up a lot of your time and energy um, so I wasn't able to handle all of that came in so but mostly uh, most of them I did follow through um, it really depended on my tr- interest and the um, company's health mm-hmm. and uh, what my role is going to be
0: did, did you make any um, I mean I guess if you were doing five a day like you probably weren't too picky at the beginning or were you selecting which companies you were applying to
1: so it was opposite. I was pretty picky in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's why um, I started slow. But soon I realized, like, there's no point of me being picky <laughs> <laughs> because um, there's a very low chance that you're going to hear back anyway. Uh, um, yeah. So uh, after a while, I just, like, I just, you know, sent my resume to any of the role, like, that is involved, like, elite, like... Semi-interesting, at least, and, um, yeah, I wasn't too picky, like, as I, as I, as it went on. Okay.
0: Yeah. Got it. Okay, so you were a little picky at at first, and then you, I guess, you know, realized that it it might be better, especially for your first job, to just kind of do a sort of, like, shotgun blast type of (laughs) uh, uh, applying to jobs. How about, like, the job title itself, since that always... That's a, that's a question I get a lot from students as well is you know, just um, like what is the difference between the job titles and, um, you know, what's the best way to figure out like what, you know, a data scientist would be doing at company A versus company B or what, you know, you know, is machine learning engineer, is that the right role? Like, was there any distinction between those different titles or were you just looking at job descriptions and kind of, you know, ignoring the title itself?
1: I know that title can be very misleading time to time, especially this is a data scientist could be, could mean multiple things in different companies. You can be doing a data analyst job like, or responsibilities, but you, you might be called data scientist mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. So I think definitely the role um, or responsibility, the job description itself, is more important than the title. Um, but it was too much time for me to look into data analyst role which might fit me so i just focused on either di- data scientist or machine learning engineer mm-hmm. okay. but um since i was more interested in, in uh, experimentation um i was focusing my job search okay. in that keyword yeah but okay. if i found very interesting machine learning engineer role i also applied but i was mainly focused on like just data scientist or um, data scientist product. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those two things.
0: okay. so when you um so when you finally like started to hear back from some companies, I mean, can you tell me about you know some of the uh, interviews that kind of stood out to you or like some of the processes did any company do something that you really thought was was actually maybe kind of different and and useful? Were any of them super annoying? Like, yeah, did you have to do homeworks and yeah, how, how did it go?
1: every company is looking for something unique and it really depends on their size and, and their product and the team. And for the larger companies, I feel like it's more standardized. So more like four rounds, initial round being, uh, just talking with recruiter, just getting your background, second round, mostly just talking to the hiring manager. And third round being more of technical, and fourth round being all encompassing, mm-hmm. and nothing was like too like mm, like startups like tend to be uh, tend to be like little different. Um, their like orders were different, and also since they're a smaller team, I had like for one startup company, I had to meet everyone in the company, and there was no like defined timeline. So I got confused. Oh, I thought this was a final round, but it wasn't final round. And they just wanted me to talk to the CEO. They just wanted to talk to like CTO. So it, it, it kind of went on. Okay. So it wasn't like. So I think the smaller companies are more more free form, um, which was interesting. I, I kind of liked it because I get to know like I got to know everyone before, um, I can decide like whether I want to work for this company or not. Mm-hmm. While um, for a bigger company like Lyft. You're not really, like, um, interviewing for a specific position. You're interviewing f- to become a DS uh, at a company, and then you choose which um, team or product to work on. Mm. So it's a very different process and uh, a very different expectation.
0: Did you find that to be a, a pleasant way to, to do an interview with the company? Um, did you meet enough people in each team, you know, to be able to say, like, what you might prefer doing? Do you have that choice, or is that something they decide, like which team you're going to end up
1: on? Um, to answer the last question first, yes, I do have a choice um, usually um, on which team to go on. So basically, at the final round, um, you talk to a specific hiring manager, and we you talk, um, you just uh, you just chat with that manager about your background and your interest. And the hiring manager also tells you like, what they're looking for and what kind of team they are. And if you are a good fit, then um, you proceed. Um, so you have a choice there. But for me, it was, was kind of a unique situation because it was during the, um, during the hiring freeze for Lyft. So, oh. so <laughs> there were only one single position open. Okay. So uh, for me, I, I, got, I had no choice. I, either I, um, I choose this team or I wait f- for X amount of time, which I don't right. know. Okay. And luckily, I really liked the team. It was the team that I wanted to work for, um, in the first place. So it wasn't it wasn't uh, too hard of a choice for me. But but usually there are more options out there. Um, it's just a market that I was in.
0: Okay, got it. So how about did you have any companies um, expect you to do a like a homework assignment and then present?
1: Yes, um, I think four out of five companies that I made to the final round that wow, okay, and you did all of those um no i I did most of them, like three of them um okay. since I already got an offer, I decided not to do the fourth one um because as you know it's it's so much time and energy, so do you um, want me to describe?
0: Well, I'm just, you know, it's one of those things where I think people have strong opinions for or against it. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to have strong opinions against doing those assignments. And of course, later on in your career, you can tell companies, no, I'm not going to do that. So let's just, you know, let's just get on the phone and, you know, or get in person and do a regular interview. Mm -hmm. And you'll have that luxury to do that later. But yeah, sure. When I was looking for my first job, I did those, you know, out of necessity, mm-hmm. out of desperation. Um, but they are a lot of time. I couldn't do one now. You know, I've got two kids, right? You know, I I, I don't have two days, you know, completely open <laughs> to sit there and, and try to blow somebody away with, you know, some amazing presentation. And no matter what, the company will say, oh, you know, at least in my experience, the company says... Oh, you don't have to, you know, you're not expected to spend too much time on this Just spend three or four hours, but no, I mean, you know, that you need to do something really impressive. And I mean, I even had that experience once where a company said, you only have to spend a few hours on this. So that's what I did. I spent a few hours on it. I put together a slideshow that wasn't very good. It was a three, you know, it it was definitely three hours of effort. And then I went in for the interview and they released me after maybe the first round and so i asked for some feedback and they said well you know we could tell you didn't really spend that much time on your presentation you know <laughs> so i was obviously very annoyed by that um so when a company says you're not expected to put that much effort in you, you can't really believe them so i don't know but how was your just how was your experience doing those those few
1: i think i have the same perspective on those assignments as you um I think it kind of forces you because like there's no, uh, usually they ask you very vague open-ended question without giving me a lot of details or background on it. And if you ask more, like ask for more clarity, they say they usually say um, you should make your own assumptions and go proceed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's very very open-ended question. So basically what I'm trying to say is like you can spend as much time as you want on that and yeah. it would never be perfect. Right. Um and as a, as a recent grad um or grad recent going to be a recent grad um I was desperate and I want I want <laughs> that job. I want uh I want to get an offer from a company. So yes, I did spend I pulled several all-nighters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Um even though they say, oh, only, you should only spend three, four, or seven hours for mm-hmm. it. And they give me like four or five days for it. So so basically what I did is spend all those five days trying to wow. make it perfect. Yep. I even um, reached out to all my friends and did a presentation in front of them, uh, even mm-hmm. though they're not really data scientists. Okay. There are other... Engineers yeah I wanted to their input and because I was desperate so that's shows how, like how much effort that goes into it um, Luckily, I did okay on a few of them. Um, I didn't pass all of them, but um, But I just don't like it because like it's just so much energy and time you put on it which means like you're le- able to uh, put less energy in um, um, Other other companies or mm-hmm. um, you're you have to be very selective where you proceed with your interview.
0: Yeah, yeah, I had another situation that I just remembered where I I don't remember if I put in a lot of effort into the homework assignment, but I, I did it, and then when I went to present it, it was very obvious that the people who were interviewing me never even bothered to look at it, you know, and really just didn't seem interested in my presentation at all. Um, so that kind of made me think, okay, what was what was the point? You know, like, why did I do this? Uh, so do you feel like those, the, um, presentation that you gave or whatever you, whatever it is that you turned in Mm -hmm. was a deciding factor? Did it help you move forward? Do you think?
1: No, I don't. I think it, it helped me move forward. It's definitely a criteria they, um. The companies I, I interviewed for looked into, okay. but it was more of a pass or fail. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, he, he did an amazing job here. We should hire him. Um, It's more like, oh, okay, he passed all the checks. Like he 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 talked about all the points that they had in mind or they probably had built in like a grading system. And it just, yeah, it felt like pass or fail uh, more than like um, A, B or C, like, you know, grading system or I don't know how to grade it. But yeah.
0: All right, so we talked about the homework-type interviews. Did you have to do a lot of? Uh, did you have to do a lot of whiteboarding and and how about live coding? Did you do a lot of live coding interviews, or like the you know the leak code style interview that people talk about?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think all the companies that at least the, the ones that I made to define around, did include one round of live coding, whether it was Python or SQL. Did, how
0: did you feel about the questions that were asked? Did you think they were indicative of the type of work that you would
1: expect to do? Um, I think live coding is more representative of... Uh, they tried to pull a question from their own database. Okay. So it was um, relevant, but I really didn't like the pressure because... I had to not only understand the problem at the spot under a lot of pressure because I'm getting judged by it, um, but also I have to use their tool um, which I'm not familiar with, and also, and I have to explain what I'm doing while I'm coding. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, I think that's why I think it takes some practice. You definitely want to practice live coding with, like talking to yourself or with someone else because um, coding at your own desk by yourself is very different from coding with like someone else watching you code like every space, every dot that you're putting on because um, it's a very different experience personally.
0: How did you prep for that one? Did you do some practice with uh, like with your classmates or mock interviews?
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I tried to do some practice well with my friends. Um, trying to follow through a leak code problem um, while explaining. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized soon realized uh, yeah, that's like, that's another skill set like to explain what I'm coding. And eventually, I mean it was hard to you know um, to um, have my friend on the same time, like practice same time. So eventually what I did was like talking to myself okay. while doing lead code. Hmm. So that that helped a lot too.
0: Was there a specific level of leak code difficulty that you think was useful? <laughs>
1: um, for Python, as a data scientist, at least as a decision or experimentation data scientist, I don't think you need to go any more than easy problem okay. for Python. But mm-hmm. for SQL, definitely I think you should be able to do medium or hard. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, maybe not the hard every hard, because like some of the hard problems in SQL um, leak code tend to be very specific um, to like the f- specific functions. And if you don't know a specific function, you might fail. But uh usually at the company they don't really ask you that.
0: Right. Yeah. I feel like that's been my experience too, where if you forgot the function, you know, if you forgot mm. how to use that one specific function, they didn't really care as long as you could they could sort of tell that you knew uh it had some idea about how to solve the problem, right? Exactly. Okay. Um how about for like uh the other technical interviews? Um, what was your prep like for that, and or or even just you could talk about what were the things that were most
1: useful that you did to prep? Okay, um, so um, I'll answer the second question. So I mean, yeah, usually companies go through; they require you to go through four or five rounds of interview, and that involves different areas of of expertise. They question you on statistics, probabilities. And uh, as we just talked about, they do live coding and mach- some of the machine learning concepts. Um, so uh, basically, I tried to make a my personal handbook for um, every single subject. Mm-hmm. I, not every single subject, but main, main subjects that they might ask, like mm-hmm. probability statistics, experimentation, product... And um, life coding like SQL functions and Python um, functions. Okay. And for each um, for each of the subject or area, um, I think my how I prepared was slightly different. For example, for statistics and experimentation, I relied heavily on US like the class notes. Okay. Um, yeah. The classes I took from USF. And for product and And also, partly for experimentation, I relied heavily um, on the YouTube channels, and there are a lot of resources out there, um, actually very helpful YouTubers um, who are experienced data scientists who've gone through a lot of data science interviews, and they're really good at, like, summarizing some of the questions that you might get asked, especially towards the product and experimentation side, Mm -hmm. because, like, product, I don't think... um, you can really, um, none of the classes really cover it really well, um, while a lot of companies, especially if you're going into more product data scientists or experimentation data scientists, they they want you to have like product sense, which is not specifically like mathematics or or um, or machine learning. It's more of like literally product, like do you understand how to approach like the product? Do you understand the business needs? And so on and so forth. So I had to do do a lot of that, like through YouTube and also through um, some of the books. There's yeah, I think there are several books out there also very helpful for preparing uh, for an interview. I think one of them is like Ace, Acing Data Science um, Interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a red book, and um, I think it's a th- that book does really well a good job of covering all the main topics of data science. So. Yeah, book, YouTube, and uh, class notes. And I basically had summarized into one um, nice um, key bullet pointed um, notes um, on my desktop. And basically before I know I'm going to get into a product interview for 10 minutes, I will quickly review that and go into it so that everything, all the equations, or all the ideas are fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Cause like they usually give you like five minute break between their interviews. Um, so I I use that time to review.
0: Any uh, YouTubers that you want to plug?
1: Yeah, the, so a few of the channels that I um, that really helped me out is called Data Interview um, and also Emma, Emma Ding. Um, she's also, um, I believe she was a data scientist at airbnb and now she's uh she helps people um with uh, the data, uh, data uh interview prep okay cool so those two are the yeah one of the main ones that i used um
0: so any like any last bits of advice or anything you wish uh, you had been told before you had started on the process of looking for your first job
1: yeah so um I th- everyone i believe everyone agrees that interview going through the recruiting process is very painful. Um, and it's, it seems um, you soon like in the beginning, you might realize, Oh, it's like, I'm going to get a job. But soon after you realize, oh, I'm, I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to find a job and you get depressed and oh, okay. like, and that was a story for me. And I believe that was a story for a lot of my, um, a lot of my friends at USF. And um, I think it's, it's super important for you to be um, not like not discouraged because um, it's, it's really easy to take rejection personally. Um, but I don't think it's ever personal. Um, and you should just persist persist and just, um, just keep on doing it and um, you'll find a role that you're looking for. So having that mentality, I think is like number one key to, um, to successfully going through the recruiting process. So, yeah, just don't get discouraged. Keep on doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. That that first one, the first job, it's always the hardest one. Yeah, and one more advice, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go for.
1: It. Um, I w- I, w- I would say um so since you're like when you're going through the, your first round of recruitment, like you're desperate, you just want a job, you know, that pays you decent, like, mm-hmm. whether it's like good pay or bad pay, you just want it, you know, job security right away. But I think, um, yeah, just don't be too, too desperate. Um, and if the company doesn't fit you well, uh, you should actually evaluate, you know, the companies that you're interviewing for. Right. And, um, as a recent grad, I felt like I'm in the lower position compared to company. So I, I, I I never thought about evaluating them initially because I was nervous. I thought, you know, like I'm just going to take whatever job I get. But I mean, if you take a job that you don't really like, even though they might pay you okay, um, you might not like what you're doing every day because you have to spend eight plus hours every day working on it. So, yeah, just really put time on deciding which company to really um, work for. Um, outside of just money or um, having that security in your mind. All right.
0: Well, I guess that's it. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for uh, going through that. I think that's yeah uh, you know, really going to be valuable, especially for you know uh, the students here right now who are you know they're they're getting to that point now where they have to start thinking about uh, applying for jobs. You know, it, it's just like a couple months away. I think. Um, you know, they're they're pretty much halfway through the program now, and so they're um, yeah I think they're really going to like listening to this one and and uh you know I guess so with the with the stories that you've told and the advice that you've given they'll they'll have a good start at least. Um and uh they'll you know they'll they'll know what to do and they'll know what to expect. And so it should be good. Cool. Yeah, thanks again and uh yeah hopefully um we'll be able to have you back here next time next time you you know when you get your next job. Um, then we can ask you, we can, you know, compare that search with this one. And, and I think we'll see that it was, yeah, probably so much easier.
1: Yeah, hopefully in the next one's uh, much, much smoother process.
0: Right. All right. Thanks.
1: Thank you.